Welcome to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today's topic is On Earth As It Is In Heaven, Part 2. So last week we did Part 1 um, on this topic, and today I wanted to take uh, more time with this topic, and I think I might keep fleshing this out over the next couple weeks. The specific topic I want to address today is on leadership, and a, a from my understanding, a kingdom perspective of leadership versus man-made systems that often work against people when we're talking about leadership. And let me say this as a little disclaimer before we get into the meat of the subject. I can get pretty passionate about this specific subject. And in that passion, I just want you to realize I am not against any person. I'm not trying to downgrade someone. That's not Jesus. That's not what he does. That's not what he's like. He believes in his people. He believes in those that he created in the sense that he is for them. He is not against them. And so I want you to know I am not against any person. But I don't mind challenging a common mindset that's held related to leadership in regard to the church or just the kingdom of God in general. And so in that challenge, I may get a little passionate. Now, in Jesus' name, I'll be self-controlled. It's good for the Spirit. And uh, be nice and peaceful and calm. So here we go. First thing I wanted to, to bring up is this idea of external appearance versus internal realities. And you know, the Scripture, both in the Old and New Testament, both touch on these ideas. The idea being that often it's just easy for human beings to get so caught up in the way someone presents themselves based on a high gifting, an ability to communicate, maybe they're good looking. Um, and we can, we can so wrap our minds and hearts around that and think they must be the guy that we want to tab as a leader for this group or this setting. And it doesn't mean that they're not. And I think that's important to remember uh, when talking even about this point. In no way am I saying gifted people, well-spoken people, or good-looking people uh, aren't loved, accepted, and dreamed, uh, that God has dreamed about how he would deploy them into the world. They are absolutely included. But what I want to challenge is that's not the basis for selecting people. And I think most Christian leaders would say that, and then we would reference things like Saul and David, We would reference things like the disciples versus the Pharisees. But the challenge, and I'm speaking actually from my own experience, the challenge is it's really easy to think that but then get mesmerized by someone that's really gifted. And so I just, I want us to to realize that the kingdom of God really does work differently. God doesn't think like we do. And the good news is in the new covenant, he gave us his mind, his heart, his spirit, that's Ezekiel 36 that, that um, causes us to obey. That's the good news. It's the grace of God at work in our lives. Uh, obedience being the fruit of our relationship with God, not the roots. Jesus is the roots and his life changes us to obey with joy. But because the kingdom's different, until that mindset really sets in, there's kind of this back and forth where we know a kingdom perspective and yet we're still operating from that external view of leadership. 
And so I just want to challenge, just because someone has a high gifting, they look the part, they're eloquent, or they're attractive, doesn't mean that's what God's looking at. Doesn't mean those are the most important things to Jesus and to his kingdom. That doesn't mean this person is devalued or we need to boot them to the curb. But it does mean let's do a little bit more of a process to really see the internal shine not by us making them shine, but by us giving them opportunities to see those internal shine. Uh, and I think that, in the end, will help us develop better leaders. The other thing that kind of goes along with this, um, before I get into some of the internal things, is often we look at success in terms of numbers, in terms of uh, crowds, in terms of dollar figures, um, things like that. So as the as kingdom people, as church leaders, what we'll do is we'll look at sports teams or business models and we'll say, well, this works in the sports arena, this works in the business arena, so let's take the principles, let's extract it from that model, and then let's implement it in the church. And what we've actually done is we've just said, hey, world, whether they're believers or not, teach us how to govern in the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying that there's not uh, truth to that. In some levels, there are businesses that look more like the kingdom uh, than, than sometimes than believers look like. So I get that. But my point is, when our, when our basis for success is things that aren't necessarily kingdom values, like dollar figures and uh, people in the seats... We need to think different before we import all the structure, all the strategy, all that goes with that in the name of getting the job done. Because what can happen is sometimes those models... Now, again, let me step back. I have friends that are business owners that run their church like the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, they run their business like the kingdom of God. Um, And they're awesome. And... I do want to learn from them, and I I want to honor and validate that. But more what I'm talking about is those systems and structures, whether it's in the church or in the business world or in any field, that are built on man's performance, hours worked, um, the sweat of our brow, versus built on the person of Jesus and what he thinks about and how he looks and how he develops people. That's what I want to look at. I want to look at Jesus, who he is, and then take and take that revelation, that understanding, that, um, that deposit of grace, and then be, let that work out in my family, let that work out in my, my church community, let that work out in my business, let that work out in my school, whatever it is that God has placed me in. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see developed. Um, so instead of those externals, what are those internals? What are those things that actually I think Jesus was looking at when he chose the disciples? I would say things like childlike trust, people who hear God speak to their heart through his word, by his spirit, through a friend, and just believe, just trust him. People who walk in a revelation of Jesus and what revelation means. I know that can sound like a super charismatic or whatever word. All that means is a an understanding. It's like the lights are on. You see who he really is, who he is in you, who he is to you, who he is through you. Uh, things like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. How deep is that understanding in people 
So when they come under stress, what comes out of them? And then humility and teachability. My goodness, even in um, people that are all about the grace of God and all about identity in Christ, which I would say I, that's those are two key things in my life, in, uh, and I would include uh, being on mission, transformation, making disciples, empowerment of leadership uh, as other passions of mine. But even in the world of identity in Christ and the grace of God, people's attitudes can just stink sometimes. And you think, dude, that's not very gracious, actually, what you just said, or how you just um, disqualified someone who disagrees or thinks different. We've just got to have room for one another because it's in hearing from every person that we actually see a more complete picture. And sure, our language may be different, and maybe we don't agree with the way someone says something, but at the end of the day, if you can catch the heart of what they're saying, I think a lot of times we can land in a similar spot and at least honor each other in the process. So um, so even with these internals, I'm not saying that they all have to be at full tilt to launch someone out as a leader, but these are the things that we're valuing. These are the things that we believe God wants to develop in people so that they actually live at rest. Here's the thing, guys, just to be honest, the fruit of the Spirit um, that, that, that place of character, if you want to live in rest, if you want to live in peace, that character growing in your life, by the grace of God, not by your effort, not by your performance, but by His Spirit at work in your life and you trusting Him and letting Him reorient your thinking, reorient your perspective, reorient your actions, reorient where that life and energy flows from. It flows from Him. It doesn't flow from ourself, but it flows from Christ in us. I'm telling you, it's that character that allows us to live at peace in the world. It's not the flash. It's not the pop. It's not the high energy, whatever. It is, it is God himself demonstrating himself through character. That's, that's really, that's where it's at. Okay, I'm going to share uh, one passage. And then I think what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to take this topic, just looking at our time frame, I'm actually going to make the second part of this, which is going to be... Um, What's the role of a leader? I'm going to make this next week's episode the second part of this. I'll recap the first couple weeks, and then I'll come back into On Earth As It Is In Heaven Part 3 about the role of a leader. Um, but I'm going to finish up with 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31. Let me just read that to you guys, and then we will round out this episode. So again, we're talking 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26-31. It says this, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one will boast before him. It is because of him. Now, this is just so important. Think about this, guys. It is because of him, uh, because of Jesus, that you are in Christ. Ultimately, even our yes to God is a dependent yes, because he already said yes to you. That's the sovereignty of God. So here's how sovereignty and free will actually blend together. 
in God's sovereign plan, he said yes to mankind and the death of his son. Therefore, every yes response from man is because of God's already given yes. So you can only say yes to God because he already said yes to you. At the same time, you can say no to God out of your free will, not because he said no to you, but because you said no to him. <laughs> little brain teaser for you. There's the Calvinism, Arminianism, dog chasing its tail argument in my perspective. Now, I'm sure people would disagree with me uh, on both sides of that, and that's okay. I'm not here to try to convince you, but that's my understanding is it's God's sovereignty that has said yes to man, and it's our free will that says no. And, and when we say yes, it's because of that sovereignty at work in our lives. When we say no, it is because we are rejecting the God who loves and accepts us. Uh, and he'll let you do it. That's Romans 1. He gave them over to these passions and lusts. It's not because he's angry, but it's for the point of you coming to the end of yourself and realizing it doesn't work. Honestly, that's 1 Corinthians 5 where Paul says, hand that man over to Satan. You know what a great biblical example of that passage? This is 1 Corinthians 5. A great biblical example that I believe of that passage is Luke 15, the prodigal son. And it helps bring Romans 1 together where what we're seeing is uh, Paul saying, hand that man over to Satan. In other words, let him go his own way. And just like in that story of the prodigal son, the father gave the son the money that he used incorrectly, which is a blow away. It doesn't mean he approved of the son's actions, but he saw a bigger picture. He realized, okay, my son doesn't know me. He's going to have to get to the end of himself and realize how good I was this whole time. And that's what happened in the story. That's Romans 1. God's saying, man, I love humanity, but there's a large portion of humanity that wants nothing to do with me. Okay, I'm going to let them go their own way. And that, unfortunately, can end in major destruction. Um, but, and that's the risk that comes with giving people a choice. Uh, but I think it's a risk that God values. Anyway, let me get back to the passage. Verse 31, Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay, so think about this, guys. This is the way God thinks. This is the way God works. Foolish things are not about you feeling like an idiot when you obey God. That would actually be a worldly perspective. That's how the world works. Man, I feel shame. I feel embarrassed. But I got to do this to get the job done either because my boss is asking or a family member is asking or a significant other is asking that I want to impress. Therefore, I go against what my emotion is to, to do it. And I feel like an idiot while I'm doing it. That's not, doing, that's not the foolish things of the world shaming the wise. That's actually the wisdom of the world. That's actually how it works. The foolish things are God choosing people everyone else has rejected and turned away. Let me give you an example. Think about who Jesus chose as his 12. And think about who he didn't choose. 
Now, it would make sense to go to the young shot, the, the, the hot shots, the young bucks of the day, the disciples of the Pharisees, rally those guys and launch out his ministry. But he doesn't do that. He actually chose the fishermen, the tax collectors. He even chose a terrorist, Simon the Zealot. The Zealots were a group that wanted to take Israel back from Rome by force. In today's vernacular, we would call that terrorism. <laughs> and Jesus chose these guys. So that's the equivalent of choosing the workers on the show Deadliest Catch, uh, the head of the IRS, or just one of the the tax agents of the IRS, and someone from Al-Qaeda, and putting them on your church planning team. That's who Jesus chose. And it wasn't just because they were the only ones available. I think he was trying to prove a point. That his kingdom, his world, who he is, is so far superior to the ways of the world, the ways of man, the ways of performance, that he could take the least and get the greatest as he began to unlock the life of God in them and around them and the kingdom of heaven. Or think about the Apostle Paul, who said this, he, now, he was one of the, the, the guys that had it all together. He was, he was polished. He was bright. He was shiny. And Paul said this. He said, he counted everything a loss compared to knowing Christ. He gave all that up. All that got him clout to say, Jesus is enough. His life is so much more satisfying than all those accolades that I had externally. And think about this. In 1 Timothy 1, Paul actually makes this statement where he says that he was the... He says, I'll read it to you. It's verse 13, chapter 1. Even though I once was a blasphemer... So it's important to realize Paul's talking about the past here, not his current condition, but his previous condition. I once was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, and I was shown mercy... And it says, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith. So he said, faith and grace and love were poured out in Christ for him. So it was a gift. And then it says in verse 15, here's a trustworthy saying, Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Now I know it says I am, but he's talking like in the first person of what his life was like when he was a Pharisee. Paul says very clearly throughout the scriptures that that old way of living is dead and gone and he's a new creation, okay? So that's not my point here, but I did want to point that out. But think about this. In reference to himself as the chief of sinners, he's talking about a life that he says in Philippians 3, according to legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul says the greatest Sinner was the the one who completely lived out the law faultlessly. Now that should make you think. And it was that that I believe God was undoing in Paul in those three years in Arabia. And up to another ten years before he really gets on the scene. Some say it's up to... 13 to 16 years before Paul really gets launched out. He was undoing all of where Paul had found his value, where Paul had found all of his greatest hits and reducing him to the point of Jesus is enough. He's in me. He's changed me. I'm a different man. And that being what motivated him and compelled him. Guys, that's foolish. 
I have a friend that told me a story of a man in India. He was a Dali. That's the lowest caste in India. And his job was shoveling human feces. That was his job. What my friend told me was, he said that um, this man got engaged in discipleship uh, after a period of time, became a believer, um, and through continuing to develop as a leader, got new opportunities that had never been given to him. When my friend actually met him, he said he sat across the table from a guy who looked like he had been college educated and was a business owner. And the reality is, he was now both. Because of the grace of God at work in this man's life, he went from the lowest caste system, he became a believer, he learned how to operate in the kingdom of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, he went to school, he got an education, he began, uh, he became a business owner, and now he was a successful man in every area of his life. That is the foolish things, shaming the wise. So remember, next week we'll do a recap of On Earth As It Is In Heaven up to the third week. And then I'll go into uh, the role of a leader. What's the role of a leader in the kingdom? And we'll be looking at the book of Matthew. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes. And iTunes will suggest this podcast to other listeners. Thanks everyone and take care. 